0: I wanted to, I started a series last week called Praying the Word of God and I'm already interrupting my series. So I want to do it just a, maybe a one night, maybe we'll finish this next week and I'll actually give you a place to vote later tonight once you kind of hear part of it. But sign of the times, many of you know that on Saturday, what happened on Saturday with the nation of Israel and significant about it, um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my, I don't even know how to work this thing. I will figure it out before too long. The significance of what is going on in the world, and interesting enough, there was there's of course a lot of preachers that I listen to that are talking about end times, and one in particular, a guy named Jensen Franklin, that his message nailed it on the head. His Jensen, his name is Jensen Franklin. His message nailed it on the on the head about what I believe God is doing right now. Um, and it's kind of interesting to know what's going on. So as soon as I get my show up and running, we'll get going here. I might need somebody's help. Monkey, could you help me with mine? Because somewhere my notes are back there somewhere as well. Can you get me up and running? First of all, let's think about, and this will make more sense in a second, that the nation of Israel, as you guys are familiar... By the way, do you need fill-ins? Sammy, will you just pass out fill-ins to see if anybody... If you need one, he'll bring you one. On Saturday morning, the nation of Israel was attacked by Hamas, which is a terrorist organization that houses itself in what's called the Gaza Strip, and it's adjacent to Israel. Thank you, buddy. And in that attack, um, the details, which I'll spare for a service, a church service the The attack was absolutely horrendous where women and children and elderly were just brutalized and um un- unspeakable it you, I follow a guy named Trey Yankst who is in Israel right now, right on the border of of uh, uh, Gaza and Israel, and of course many times that he's reporting he's wearing a flak jacket and many times a helmet um, just because of the danger that's in that area at, the, at this time. But he went through a home, There's like an apartment today on the one I was watching his broadcast, he went through the home and he said, before I show you this, please, you know, don't, if little kids are in the room, don't let them see this. And so he think about your home and he's in somebody's home that's not there anymore. And on the floor is blood and not just blood, but there's, the blood has been streaked where somebody was drug. And then like these people's kitchen cabinets had just holes all in them where whomever came through that had uh, just, you know, terrorized whoever was in that home and there was nobody left there. Lord only knows if they survived, survived that, but As of right now, I think it's sitting at 1,200 people have been murdered by this attack. Um, So it's just horrible. I mean, you think about what we felt like on September 11th, um, 2001, when that happened to us. It just changed everything about how we were as a country. And now it's happened to our strongest ally in the Middle East, Israel, unimaginable, just cruelty and brutality. And so you can think what in the world is going on and are these the signs of the times? So tonight I wanna to take just a few minutes to talk about the nation of Israel when it comes to God. So we're gonna to go to uh, Matthew chapter 24. And if you guys will, if you don't have a, a new King James, it's gonna be on your sheets. No, I'd take that back. It won't be on your sheets. So would you stand as we read uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. If I can get my pages separated here. And like I said, if you don't have a new King James, it's going to be on the screens as well. So Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and if we'll read together. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the living word. And so we receive you tonight in all that you represent through the powerful word of the living God. Speak to our hearts In Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. Now we're going to stay in Matthew chapter 24 for part of tonight, but I am going to jump over to the Amplified and I want to read that again. This part's printed on your sheet. So I'm going to stop at specific places to have you circle. So now in the Amplified and while he, if you want to circle he in your Bible, that's Jesus. While Jesus was seated at the Mount of olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when this will take place and what will be the sign of your coming. So before we go any further, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to return quickly, like within their lifetime. Well, that obviously did not happen in their lifetime. So Jesus takes this opportunity in Matthew 24 to give them or give us rather specific indications of his second coming. Now real quick let me pull this apart. Jesus first coming was when he came as a baby to Bethlehem to the virgin Mary. His second coming is when he'll return after the tribulation, and I like what some people says, the first time he came, he came as a baby. The second time he's coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So it's, it's a whole, whole different thing. And I'm going to read something tonight in scripture that shows that he's coming back in power. Um, the signs of your coming at the end, the completion of the consummation of the age. And we can right there say that if you want to circle age in your Bible or age on your sheet, age is, is time. Time will eventually be no more. Time will run out. So we've had a period of time, but before the existence of of creation, there was no time. God was, He is, and He will always be. And we're headed to a time where He will always be, and so will we. Verse four, and Jesus answered the disciples, listen to what His first thing is. Be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you, or leading you into error. It is, um, it is even, if even the immediate followers of Jesus could be deceived, no one is above deception. So even if it, he's talking to his disciples, his employees, his staff, his closest friends, his confidants, the ones that he spent the most amount of time, he says, don't be Deceived. Unfortunately, in the world that we're living in, many people that label themselves as believers have have and are being deceived. A very large church in uh, Atlanta has recently come under great deception. And if the pastor decides to believe something that's against the word of God, that's between he and the Lord, I think, or she and the Lord. But I always think about the number of people that that individual is deceiving with things that are against the word of God. Unfortunately, and I'm going to show this in a minute. I keep on previewing everything. Unfortunately, I think that's going to become more and more. We should constantly place a guard around our hearts against deception. And you might think, Jonathan, what's the easiest way to put a guard around our heart? Make sure that we are living by the word of God. Interesting, we're in the middle of a series on praying the word of God, that we, when we make this our standard, the word of God says that we will hear the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus, and a stranger's voice we will not hear. It's funny to note that People get angry (laughs) when you indicate that they've heard the voice of a stranger, especially Christian leaders, biblical leaders. When you tell them or individuals, when you tell them you have heard the voice of a stranger, oh, they get upset. They say you're intolerant. You're, you're too entrenched in the Bible. You better believe I am. <laughs> you better believe we are because it, like we said last week, it is the living word. It is the manifestation of Jesus. So now we're, this is going to be kind of weird, but we were in Matthew uh, 24, verse 4. We're going to jump down to verse 32. So just same, same chapter. We'll come pick up the rest of it later tonight and then next week. I want to point out something to you to you right here from the, and Jesus is still talking from the fig tree. I want you to circle fig tree right there from the fig tree. This lesson, other translations say parable. He's, he's giving an illustration. Jesus is giving, when he gave a parable, the parable of the, the prodigal son, he's giving an illustrated story to make his point concrete. He said that the fig tree learned this lesson as soon as it's uh, it's young shoots become soft and tender and it has put out its leaves. You know, surely that summer is near. Watch what he explains in the next verse. So also, so also, you'll see these signs all taken together Coming to pass, you may know and sure with surety that he it's a real kind of funny because Jesus starts referring to himself in third person. In different parts of this chapter, he calls himself he he also calls himself the son of man. So it's funny that he switches the third person. But I love this next part that he is near. He is at the very door. Verse 34. I'm going to break this apart in just a second. Um, Truly, I tell you, this generation, circle generation, this generation, the whole multitude of people living at the same time in an infinite given period will not pass away till uh, till these things are taken together and take place. So I want you to go back up to verse 32. The fig tree is a direct reference to the nation of Israel. So watch what Jesus is illustrating to them. In verse 32, he says, when you see it blossom, something's about to happen. So Jesus said that this generation of people would rapidly experience the events leading to the second coming, the return of Jesus. Let me give just a little bit thing. I said it once, but let me say it again. The rapture of the church is before the second coming of Jesus. Because there's going to be a seven year of tribulation and I believe and I've, you know, followed some people that know that are way smarter than I am that concur that the church of Jesus will not be here during the tribulation. So the rapture of the church is seven years before the second coming. So let's take this apart that Jesus is saying that the fig tree will bloom. Summer is near Then the next part he says is that this generation of people will not be gone while the second, the return of Jesus happens. So let me ask you this before I give you the next point. Is there anyone in here from 1840? The 1840s. Is there anyone in here from the 1940s? And my mom. Now, keep that in mind. That mom was born 1940. I don't want you don't have to say which 40, 40. Are you throwing gang signs at me, Bonnie? The 48. 48. Interesting. Interesting. Because look at your next fill in on May 14th, 1948. Israel became a nation after hundreds, actually actually thousands, thousands of years of being scattered. Now, if you'll remember, that's at the end of World War II. At the end of World War II, the world had realized that the Nazis, that the the German leadership had killed, murdered six million Jews through the Holocaust and others as well, but specifically the, the Jewish people. And at that time, that part of Israel that we call Israel, that we're looking at right now, that was not occupied by, by Jewish people. It was occupied by Palestine. It was occupied by the, the Middle East uh, uh, people, and it still is to this day. That area still is, uh, I, I don't know if ecumenical is the right word or not, but it's, it's occupied by different people of different beliefs. But in 1948, in May, four, uh, May 14th, Israel was established as a nation. Now, let's tie these pieces together. I hope I'm, not, I'm, I'm being clear. Jesus told the disciples that when you see the fig tree blossom, and I'm going to tie this together in a second with some, something interesting, that that generation would not pass away before the coming of Jesus. Okay, and there's a lot of different things that we'll see tonight and next week. Uh, Let's go to Isaiah. So go go to Isaiah 55. And Isaiah is, uh, no, I'm sorry, 66. So Isaiah is gonna be, if you're in Matthew, you're gonna go to the left, about to the middle of your Bible, a little bit to the right. So Isaiah 66. Am I right on that scripture? Yeah. And verse eight. And like I said, if you don't have your Bible, no big deal there. It's printed on your notes as well. Now, Isaiah is a prophetic book of the Old Testament, meaning it speaks of many things in the New Testament. Jesus' birth is foretold in Isaiah. Jesus as the Burden removing, yoke destroying power is in Isaiah as well. So watch what it says here. Who has heard such a thing? And who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Underline that question. Shall a land be born in one day? Watch the next question. Or shall a nation be brought forth in a moment. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Let me tie a couple of things together. May 14th, 1948, Israel is born as a nation. This prophetic scripture asks the question, shall a nation be born in a day? And then it referenced Zion. Many of the people that are the terrorist parts of Hamas and um, Hamas, and and I can't think of the one that's north of them that's in Lebanon, uh, they refer to the Israelis as the Zionist. And you'll hear them say death to the Zionist. So this is direct for. prophecy foretelling of a nation being born in one day. And then it gives the connection of Zion. Let me, this isn't in my notes, but let me, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to skip over that for right now. So once again, we said who, it, we know people. I don't know anybody anywhere that is from 1840, but I know two people, at least two people in this room that are from the generation of the 1940s. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let me say this. Let me say, and when we talk about a generation, you can write this on the side of your notes. Psalm 90, Psalm 90 gives us a reference that a generation spans, it says it spans about 70 years. And it says if that person is with strength, 80 years. So, Mom was born 1940. So she is 83 in January. She'll be 84, and she's still still going strong. Think think about this: that we are right within the consummation of a generation. Well, I believe mom's going to live till 100. I believe Ms. Bonnie's going to live till 100. I believe they're going to live long and they're a little strong, like, like Pastor Brian Peaches preaches. But if we go by a standard, the Bible in Psalms 90 gives us a generation of a span of 70 to 80 years. And lo and behold, we're right at that span of generation. Okay, let's go to Isaiah 43. So we're at 66 So, go to the left, just a couple of books, or a couple of chapters, I mean. Isaiah 43. And in verse 3. I skipped too many pages. This is God talking right here. It's powerful scripture. Watch get your get your um highlighter, get your pen ready. Get ready to mark your notes on this. This is the Lord talking. For I am the Lord, your God. Watch when he refers to himself, the holy one of what? Israel. God declares himself the holy one, not of America, not of Brazil, (laughs) not of, um, I don't know. ain't none of that. He says about himself, I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt to, uh, to the Babylonians for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba, a providence of Ethiopia in exchange for your release. Verse three, four, I mean, because you are what? precious in my sight, full stop. This is why we stand with Israel. There is a trend right now, and this is where this fits better than where I was about to put it. There is a trend right now on some college campuses and some big cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, where people are protesting, not protesting, but uh, gathering together in area, supporting what happened to Israel on Saturday. Let me say this clearly. They've taken the post down, but the organization, let me tell you this, one of the ways, and there's, I wish I, I had time to show you all how that between Gaza and Israel is heavily fortified, heavily fortified even underground fortified. And what happened were these uh, militant people were, um, they're not parachutes, but they're gliders. They, gl- gl- they glided into Israel. And that's where, if you've seen where the, that festival concert was going, and then they took people hostage, they murdered them, so forth, because they were on gliders. They came over the fortress and glided in. The organization Black Lives Matter posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, a graphic of a glider coming in with a Palestinian flag on it in support of, it said, free Palestine. It's outrageous. There are people in our Congress right now that refuse when asked openly if they go against children, babies being beheaded. I think the number was a dozen that they came across 12 infants that had been beheaded in this attack. I'm I'm not trying to be gruesome. I'm going to make a point here. Let me also say this. Yesterday, our president spoke and... (laughs) Hold yourself. I agree with him 100 percent because he said, "Don't mess with Israel. Don't mess with the United States." His press secretary today, Karine Jean-Pierre, who sometimes I want to go up to the TV set and thump her in the head. (laughs) Today I agreed with her. Full-heartedly when she said, when it comes to this situation with the nation of Israel, there are no two sides. There is one side and it is the side of Israel. And like I said, I don't agree with her much, but I was clapping for Corinne Jean-Pierre today, Jean-Pierre, <laughs> and with our president yesterday. Why, Jonathan? Because look what the Lord says about them. Not only does he say that I'm the Holy One of Israel and, and he says, I've given uh, ransom for your release. Oh, what, it, what he's he's not done. This is the Lord talking. Fear not for I am with you. Watch what he says. I will bring your offspring from the east where they have been dispersed and gather them from the west. God's saying, I will say to the north, give up and to the south, Keep not back, bring forth sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth for thousands of years. The Jewish nation has been scattered all across the earth. In one day, in 1948, they gained back their nation. After I think it was in 60 A.D. when they when they were. Uh, pillaged for the, for the final time and, and exiled from the nation of Israel. But in one day, they became a nation. I hope that's not my phone. They became a nation and now there's millions of Jewish people that live in the nation of Israel. Let me also say this. This is why they are hated so much. Because, is that my phone, Samuel? Would you turn it off for me and grab it? It's in my bag. Just, just throw it against the wall, Miss Miss Vivian. I'm sorry. Who's trying to call me? Everybody I know is right in front of me. <laughs> By God's design, his people have been gathered from all reaches of the earth. I'm going to read something here in a second, but I want to put together the picture. The picture is God says, I am the Lord, your God, the holy one of Israel. And I am, he, God says himself, I'm speaking to the north, the south, the east and the west for you to come to gather again. That's his design. Let me say this. I, you're dumb if you mess with God's design. <laughs> you're dumb there is something significantly connected to the nation of Israel and the return of Jesus. In Matthew, Jesus says, when you see the fig tree blossom, that generation shall not pass away before all these things happen. Then we see that God himself in Isaiah drew his people that he called himself the Holy One of Israel to one location. This is interesting. Lifeway, Lifeway Research, if you remember the Lifeway stores, which are um, Baptist-based, says one in three Protestant pastors believe and or even preach of the return of Jesus. One in three. More don't believe or don't preach about the second coming of Jesus. Shocking. Look at this next one. And this is this is this is why. I mean, they must have a different version of the Bible. I don't know. But because in the Bible, one in 30 scriptures in the New Testament are direct references to Jesus' return. One in 30. What if we went on a road trip and every oh this, this will help somebody, this will, this will minister to you right now. What, what if. We went on a road trip, and every 30 miles, there was a sign for how close we were to a Bucky's. I feel the Lord in this place. I love Bucky's. Do you know where they put signs about Bucky's? A hundred plus miles from the (laughs) Bucky's, it says uh, a Bucky's in 153 miles. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) Gonna go to Bucky's. I love Bucky's. But wouldn't it be significant if every 30 miles there was a road sign saying Bucky's in whatever? Every 30 miles. Wouldn't it be significant that the New Testament 1 in 30 references the return of Jesus? Wouldn't, would you say that was significant? Interesting to note that two-thirds of preachers don't believe it or even preach it. Let's keep going. Let's go to Hebrews. This is fun in Hebrews. So we're in Isaiah. So we're going back to the New Testament. If you're new, we, we take the time to turn on Wednesdays. And just because um, I want you to interact with your Bible. So Jonathan doesn't have much to say that's worth of anything, but if you see it in the word, mission accomplished. So let's go to Hebrews. It's almost to the end of the New Testament and we're gonna go to chapter three. Hebrews, James. And in verse 28 of chapter three. And this is on your, on your uh, sheet as well if you don't have your Bible with you. Even so, it is that Christ having been offered to take upon himself and bear as the burden of sin of many once And once for all, that's good doctrine right there, by the way, but this next part is what we want, will appear a second time. And I love this illustration. Not to carry any burden of sin. He's already done that. Not to carry any burden of sin or deal with sin, but to bring Full salvation to those who are they who eagerly, constantly, and patiently await for and expect Him. Woo, I want to be in that number. In Hebrews it says that He is coming back a second time, not to deal with sin. He's already dealt. He's already, already atoned for sin. But He's coming back a second time for full salvation. For those that are ready for Him. Let's go back to Matthew, and we're gonna we're gonna end here tonight on Matthew. So Matthew, we're in Hebrews. It's gonna be to the left. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So if you're at the front of the New Testament, and we we kind of jumped way way down in Matthew uh, 24. Next week, by the way, is this good? Can I continue next week or do you want me to go back to my other? Okay, so if this is good, I'm gonna continue next week with Matthew 24. As a matter of fact, if you wanna read Matthew 24 between now and then, do it. Okay, now we're gonna go back to verse five. So we skipped way, way down to talk about Israel in Matthew 24. Now we're bouncing back up to the top of the chapter. For many, Jesus still talking right here for many will come in and on the strength of my name. These are people that claim to be believers. Appropriating the name which belongs to me, saying, I am the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus giving an indication of the times that he but they will lead many away. Let me highlight two things real quick. One is they'll claim to be, let me just use a the title. They'll claim to be Christian pastors, but they'll be leading people away. It's a sign of the age. Jesus is talking about what will it look like? And, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, there are churches that have thousands of members in the United States that their lead pastor, their senior pastor is preaching things that are against the word of God from his or her pulpit today. And Jesus indicated that they, this is the sad part, that they will lead many astray. Your your last fill in, I believe that this spirit that Jesus is referencing is already at work right now. It's already at work. Let's see, the last thing we're going to do is 2 Timothy. So go to 2 Timothy is now to the right. It's almost to the end. You Make sure you don't get in the Thessalonians. So it's Thessalonians and then Timothy. So we're going to uh, 2 Timothy, if I can find it in my Bible. Somebody stole 2 Timothy. If we were in Hebrews, it's a little bit... It's right before Hebrews. 2 Timothy 4. This is good. I wanted to end with something really cool. Next week, we're going to fill in those middle parts of Matthew 24, verse by verse, or as many as that we can get to. Here's the... Here's... Let me give you just a, a 10 second synopsis. Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to his prodigy, Timothy, and he was his, his, his mentor. So he's, he's talking to the young man that he's brought up in ministry, giving him instructions, okay? So this is part of what Paul is writing to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, for a time is coming when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instructions. Some translations say doctrine, that they will not endure biblical doctrine. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will, watch what what Timothy says. It's, it's almost, you can, watch it on, on the internet happen, on, on Instagram. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. This, this should just be let me, let me say this, this should be encouragement to us that we desire truth in the word of God. But let me also say this, it's happening now. And I believe it's going to increase that people that believe the truth of the word of God will be persecuted I don't know if there'll be any beheadings. I don't know if it'll go that far, but I know, have you ever heard of a cancel culture? <laughs> They'll try to cancel you, attack you online, tell you how intolerant you are, tell you how uh, how narrow-minded you are, how much you don't love people anymore. It's interesting to note, and I, I, don't, want, I, I don't want to be political with this statement, but I think that they were very, pointed the organization Black Lives Matter that claims to stand up for the rights of black men and women, which I wholeheartedly support. Every single person is precious in the eyes of God, but the same organization that claims to stand up for the lives of precious African-American men and women will not stand up for the lives of innocent Jews. And that is hypocrisy. That is evil. That is evil that you would put yourself on a place of superior moral standard with precious people of the African-American race, but yet in the same thing, make a post of Hamas... Militants attacking innocent women and children to their death and brutalizing them and claim that it's freedom for a people. No, not in my book. Not in my book. But have we not seen that? Have we not seen that people will gather to themselves things that are itching to their ears. Let's finish this out. And they will will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. Paul goes on to say, but as for you, listen to this. This is where the encouragement comes. I didn't mean to leave you in a bad spot. Be calm and cool and steady. Accepting and suffer unflinchingly. You're gonna suffer some. People aren't gonna like you, they're gonna call you names. Even hardship, Um, do the work of an evangelist fully performing all the duties of your ministry. I believe that we're at a, a time in history that I believe that the return that the rapture of the church is, I don't believe that there's anything holding it back. Do I think it's gonna be within a year, five years, ten years, twenty years? I don't know. I don't know. The word of God says no one knows. But I do know that Jesus gave us the time frame. And we're in that time frame. I will say this in, in the closing thought. I'm not ready to get raptured out of here while there are still people hungry to know Jesus. We ought to like never before have the lost on our heart, like never before be determined to reach people, like never before minister hope to people we encounter. Let me say it like this. And I, this is a drum that I beat with regularity. We ought to be ready to minister love to people in the middle of Walmart. We ought to be ready to minister love to people in the McDonald's drive through line. We ought to be able to ready to minister love to people that we encounter at the Home Depot instead of this nonsense of being put out about every little thing that goes wrong in our lives. And Christians have become the worst about having ketchup put on your hamburger that you didn't want and chewing out the person behind the counter with no consideration that they might be unsaved and going to hell. We need to get rid of that once and for all. And be ready to minister the love of God with whomever we come in contact with. The other day I was at the courthouse, I had to file some stuff for mom's property and and I tested out my new knees on the courthouse steps and I was keeping track with the guy next to me. I was like, hey, yeah, I got this going down. Then I got up to the top of the courthouse steps and I realized there's a metal detector. Yep, Johnny boy's gonna set that thing off. (laughs) Sure enough, (laughs) went through it. And the guy, the guy says, I said, I've had knee replacement. He goes, oh, okay, we're gonna need to wand you. I was like, okay, so he's wandering me and he looks at me and goes, aren't you a little young for this? I said, evidently not. <laughs> <laughs> but when I went to the deed area, once again, this has happened again, where the lady at the counter um, had vitiligo. And vitiligo is where the pigmentation around the mouth area and the hands is a different color. And if you see it, it's like will be one tone and then it'll go to a different tone. And, um, and, and I think around the ears and so forth, the eyes and so forth. My uncle Joe had vitiligo, had vitiligo as well. And, and I've just made it a point every time I see somebody with that, I stopped because actually somebody, she had helped me first and you know, it's, it's government. So they got to send you here, there, everywhere, upstairs, downstairs, to, anyway. So as I was leaving, she was the first person to help me. As I was going back by her, I said, hey, I just want to let you know that your skin pigment is absolutely beautiful. She goes, really, thank you. I said, you know what I think it is? I think it's like God's special fingerprint on you. Oh, she lit up. Because you know, you the, something like that, I mean, they're, you know, probably not like makeup and stuff to cover it up and stuff. No, beautiful, the handprint of God on somebody. Jonathan, that's kind of silly. If it, if it made her feel special by the love of God, let's do it. I said, let's do it. The time, if the time is short, let's get this job done. Let me pray for you tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. We thank you that you, if your return is soon, I don't know if it is or isn't, but I know that the time is short to reach the people in my sphere of influence. So Lord Jesus, as a church and a ministry, we set our, we set our hearts and our thoughts to reach the lost at any cost because people live forever. That we'll reach the lost at any cost because people live forever. Let that burn in our hearts, God, for you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.